Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Hi, good afternoon to you and welcome. It's wonderful to be in your company. It is Wednesday afternoon. It's just gone 11 minutes past two on this glorious warm Wednesday afternoon here in Joburg. And we are heading towards the end of the month of Shvat and therefore looking at a beautiful, beautiful series of events that are going to be happening to influence, hopefully, the uh, temperature around the world and the atmosphere around the world with the advent of the month of Adar. The month of Adar, Adar, Rishon, starts in earnest over this weekend. In fact, Friday is the first day of Rosh Chodesh Adar. Shabbat, Shabbos, that follows immediately afterwards, is the first day in the month of Adar. Now, our sages have told us in the Talmud that Mishenichnas Adar Marbim Besimcha. It's not just made-up stuff. It's not just because of events that happen, but it was always regarded that the month of Adar has within it the essence of the month is simcha, is joy. And we have this year a double dose of joy. The double dose of joy is because this is what we would term in our language a Jewish leap year, but it's got nothing to do with leaping. It's got rather to do with the fact that the Torah calls it an ibur yor, a shana mu'uberet, which means a pregnant year. It's a year of something extra. There is the pregnancy of this year, the fact that there is a baby in the womb. There is something special about this year in that there is an extra month. Now, most calendar months, <coughs> excuse me, most calendar years in the Jewish calendar, as well as in the secular calendar, of course, have 12 months. I'm sure you all know and you all are aware of the fact that the word uh, month comes from and is related to the word moon, if you haven't thought about it before. Well, telling you something there, moon and month are directly related. And of course, months were meant to be based on the moon. Our calendar, the Jewish calendar, is based on the moon and the sun. We take into account both of those great luminaries, the moon and the sun. But our months are based on the moon. Our seasons or the structure of the calendar is actually based on uh, the sun, the seasons, and when the Chagim, when the festivals all occur. It's a very, very intricate and very, very special relationship that all of these things have to each other. But there is absolutely no doubt in anybody's mind that the month of Adar is the 13th or the 12th and 13th, or, or the 12th the twelfth or the 12th and 13th months of the year, of the calendar year. Why? Because Nisan is called Chodesh Harishon, the first month. We're told that when we're about to quit Egypt and we're told that we should set up a calendar, we are told clearly by God that this month month should be for you the first of the months. What was it? The month of Nisan. So it's the first of the months. Doesn't mean that our years begin there. It just means that our count of our months begin there. And therefore, the last month before Nisan is the month of Adar. In a regular year, it is just called Adar. In a leap year or a pregnant year, a Shana Mu'uberet, like we are in at the moment, it is called, the. it is the 12th and the 13th months of the year. 
It's a very, very interesting situation. But the one thing that is synonymous with the month of Adar is good times, happiness, happy times, simcha. And while it may be practically impossible for us at the moment to be looking around the world and thinking about simcha, perhaps this is the very thing that we need to charge us with the fact that our attitude needs to be one of simcha. If we think good, it will be good. If we um, go out there and we make things happy and we have a positive disposition and a positive frame of mind, whether it is about what's going on in Israel, whether it is what is going on around the world or whether it's what's going on here in South Africa, our positive attitude in this month of Adar will lead us into it's an instruction. It's not just a statement. It's not just telling us that, wow, we're in for good times. The atmosphere of this month is one of happiness. But in addition to that, there is an instruction, an incentive, a push that we need to make this time happy. And we're given a double, double dose this year. It's not just one month of Adar, but it is two months of Adar. A double dose of Simcha. And boy, do we need a double dose of Simcha at the moment. Of course, we all agree with it. But this is the opportunity for us to chap, to chaparayim, to take advantage and to glean what we can from these days, these months of Adar, Adar 1 and Adar 2, or Adar Aleph, Adar Bet, Adar Rishon, Adar Sheni, these months of Adar. We've got to remember but the word of Adar, we are told, comes from the word Adir. Adir means strength. It is all about the strength of our people. Adir, Adar, you get it? It means strength. It is the strength of the Jewish people that needs to come to the fore. It is this time and this special moment of the strength that we need to exude and that we need to demonstrate in our Judaism in our Torah observance, in our unity, in our togetherness, in our backing what is good and right and true in the world, rather than allowing the negative untruths, mis misquotes and terrible, terrible um, campaigns of uh, ill truths and untruths and half-truths that have slipped into um, all the... Um, mainstream and not so mainstream, uh, news outlets and online and so on, about Jews, about Judaism, about Torah, about um, Zionists and so on. We need to make sure that we do not subscribe to that whatsoever, but with a positive attitude of Adar, of going into this month, which we know is a time when for din, for judgment, the Jewish people especially blessed during this month. If ever there was a time for um, our real muzzle to be above and beyond, to have risen and to be powerful, this is the month, this is the time, and this is what we need to subscribe to. Let's be positive, let's be happy, and let's turn this double month of Adar into the joyous time that it is meant to be. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. In this segment, we'd like to talk a little bit, if we can, about the practicalities of Odor Rishon and Odor Shani, the first and the second of Adars. What happens if you have a birthday during this time? What about a yard site? 
What about if you are, God forbid, in a period of mourning? How does this affect the dates of Yorzeit, the end of Kaddish, etc.? Because we're adding in a whole extra month. Is the month insignificant? Is it just lost? Does it fade into oblivion? Or does it count? What are we talking about and what do we think about? And how does Judaism deal with this 13th month? Well, perhaps just for an understanding. Let's understand that if you were to take six months of 30 days and six months of 29 days, which more or less mirrors every month in a regular Jewish calendar, if you add that all up, you get to 200 and 300 rather and 54 days, where we know in a secular calendar that there are 365 or 366 in a leap year. So we're always 11 days short. Now, therefore, because we're 11 days short on the Jewish calendar to the or on the lunar calendar, let's rather say, to the solar calendar or to the secular calendar. Somehow those 11 days need to be made up. Why? Because there's an instruction to celebrate Pesach in the spring in Israel, which means that we need to shift Pesach in a way to make it seasonal. It's got to be in the spring in Israel, which then leads us to understand that somehow the calendars need to have an intertwining. They need to coincide in some fashion. And in fact, you don't have to work it out. It's all been worked out for us by the likes of the Rambam, Maimonides, and others who um, wrote explicitly about exactly how the Jewish calendar and the secular calendar works together. And the formula actually is that there need to be seven leap years in every 19 years, which means that every 19 years, Dates should coincide. So if your birthday was today, 28th of Adar, which corresponds to the 7th of February in this year, in 19 years' time, those dates are going to correspond again. And so it works. It's almost without fail. There can be some dates where it's one day off due to intercalation of different day, days um, at the end of the secular year in the months of um, uh, of Cheshvan and Kislev, where you can have an extra day added in order to align the calendar properly. But otherwise, it works like a charm. Every 19 years, the dates correspond exactly. So if today is your 19th birthday, your Hebrew birthday and your English birthday will correspond, and they'll do the same on the date on the, on the day that you turn 38 years old every 19 years, and then again at 57 and so on, every 19 years, those dates will co correspond. So it's a 19-year cycle, seven leap years, seven extra months intercalated into the calendar, seven different times during those 19 years in order to make a leap year. And this is one of them that we're in at the moment. So that then makes up those missing days, those 11 days that were short, and it keeps on pushing Pesach into its right season, so usually the Jewish calendar works, that there'll be 11 days reseed, 11 days reseed, and then a jump back of uh, like 21 days to take it back and keep on carrying on like that. That's how the, um, the functioning of our Chagim actually works within the Jewish calendar. But now what happens if it is a leap year, if it's this year a leap year, and you happen to be born in a leap year? Well, that's the easy one. Because in every leap year then, 
it'll be determined exactly that your birthday is either in the first or the second of Adar. And in the leap years, that will be easy to work out. And in the non-leap years, it will just be regular Adar. So that's easy. But what about if it's the other way around? If you're born in Adar, and now it comes to a leap year, which one is your birthday? Is your birthday in the first Adar? Is your birthday in the second Adar? Well, the good news is for those people who have this problem, that um, according to most, you have two birthdays in that year. Isn't that wonderful? We, Because of the doubt about which one is the genuine one, so you have two birthdays. So you can celebrate your birthday. I'm not sure if you have to have a birthday cake and candles and all that stuff each time, but you can celebrate your birthday. It's a special date for you on the Adarishon in the first Adar as well as in the second. It becomes a little more complicated when, for instance, we need to determine a bar mitzvah. When is a boy bar mitzvah? Now, here most people would say that we want to make sure that he can count to the minion and so on. And so really, we would probably only celebrate the bar mitzvah um, as his actual bar mitzvah date in the second Adar. However, we would certainly insist that he puts on tefillin from the first Adar, from the birthday in the first Adar. So he's doing all the things that he needs to do, but to count to a minion and to make sure that he is part of the Jewish community um, of men who can count for our prayers, and that can only be said in a quorum of 10 in a minion, we would have to wait for the second Adar just to make sure that he's actually bar mitzvahed already. What happens if you are commemorating a yard site? So somebody passes away, God forbid, in a... Um, in Adar Rishon or Adar Sheni in Alipia, once again, those are the dates. That is the date that that person passed away. That's the yard site. What happens in a non-Lipia, in a regular year, in other words, <coughs> it then falls out just in Adar. But what happens if it was the other way around? If a person passes away in just Adar, so last year somebody passed away in Adar, God forbid, and then comes to this year, which date do we commemorate, do we celebrate, do we recognize as the date of the yard site, the anniversary of their passing? Is it in the first one? Is it in the second one? There are many different customs in different communities around the world pertaining to this. Some say the first, some say the second. In order to play it safe, many say keep both, say Kaddish on both, and commemorate both those dates as having a connection to the neshama, to the soul, on that date of your site, on that anniversary of passing, whether it's the first one or it's the second one. Both of them should possibly and probably be kept. What is, after all, the big deal of uh, lighting another candle, of saying Kaddish again on that date, doesn't really seem to be that troublesome to most people, and this is something that should possibly and probably be done. However, recommendation, speak to your own rabbi and find out what is the custom practice. There may be a particular practice of your community, of your shul, and you shouldn't digress from that in any way. What happens if a person is in a year of mourning? How does that work? Well, we've got to remember that um, when we're in the year of mourning, we mourn for 12 months. Now, it does not matter that it doesn't line up again at the end of that 12 months with the actual date of the yard site. What I mean is, let's say, for instance, somebody passed away in this month of Shvat now, 
where we are right now. And then um, we're trying to determine the yard site. We would count two Adars as two separate months towards the tally of 12, which means that the person would end their morning one month before the yard site, which would only be in Shvat, they would end in Tevet. That's when their 12 months would end. And the same thing with the saying of Kaddish. The Kaddish would only be for 11 months less one day, as is uh, the practice, the custom of saying Kaddish, 11 months less one day. Those are 11 calendar months. It doesn't matter what the names of the months are. It's just 11 months. So it can possibly be that when a person um, is commemorating somebody who they've lost, that there is one date for the end of Kaddish. A month later, they will end their uh, mourning. And one month later, they will then have the actual yard site, the date of commemoration of the passing of that person. So a little complicated, you may think, but always really very logical in the way that it works and in the way that it, um, that it is played and in the way that it's carried out for each and every particular situation. But the main thing, of course, about this special time of Adar is that Adar really causes us, I think, to think about the moon, to think about these special calculations, and to think about the image of what Judaism picked as being what was picked for us, as being the mainstay of our calendar, the moon rather than the sun. Everything in the secular calendar revolves around the sun. Everything in the Jewish calendar around the moon. Now, it may, of course, be a little bit of a hint for us, the fact that when we think about certain things that are controlled by the gravitational pull of the moon, those things play quite a deeply profound, mystical kind of a, a, a role in our lives. First of all, the ebb and flow of the moon also has something to do with the ebb and flow of the tides. You'll know that if you've been to a coastal town or you live in a coastal place, that the tides have got something to do with the moon, where it's high tide, whether it's low tide. It's got to do with it, whether it's full moon or it's new moon and so on. There's something about the moon that controls that. There's also something, of course, that controls the cycles of a, a, of a woman, woman's cycles, which have to do, of course, with childbirth, with having children. The cycles are controlled and are monitored according to moon months, not solar months, moon months. Anybody who's ever studied or done any uh, marriage preparation will know what we're talking about, that everything is calculated according to the moon, according to lunar months. There is a certain... A gravitational pull and a certain emotional pull and a certain psychological pull and a, and a very, very meaningful physical pull that the moon has and a control that the moon has over these essential ingredients in our lives. Now, they're not all the greatest visible things. They're not all the stuff that's out there in the bright sunshine. They're the things that perhaps are a little more, as we said, mystical, a little bit more hidden, a little less um, obtrusive, a little less in your face, a lot more about really the role of 
what Jews and Judaism is supposed to play in our world. The fact that the whole world out there is basking in the brightness of the sun and everything that it means. The Jews, Judaism, Jewish teaching tells us our real luminary is the moon. To be a light in the darkness, to bring light where there is otherwise no light, to make sure that as we light our Shabbat candles and as we light our Hanukkah candles and as we do each mitzvah and as we learn each word of Torah, we're told that Torah is or, Torah, ora, Torah is light, that everything that we are supposed to be doing in this world is bringing more light, creating light in the darkness. And yes, we don't need a reminder um, today about the darkness in the world. While we look outside and we see sunshine, and we look outside and we see that it's very, very light and bright and beautiful, it's not that kind of light that we are talking about. We're talking about the darkness that seems to pervade this world, a darkness of integrity and of honesty, a darkness of uh, morality, a darkness of um, a belief in what is right and what is true, a blindness that makes people uh, make all sorts of judgments and all sorts of calls that uh, we could well do without in this darkness. But it's the job of the Jew to stand up for light. It's the job of each and every one of us to bring more light into the world, to help to create that light. And as the moon also waxes and wanes, so does the power and the prowess of the Jewish people at all times. And it's in this month of Adar, and when it's a double Adar, that this is really called to the fore even more, because we're focusing on... This seeming anomaly, strangeness, difficulty, issue that we have within the Jewish calendar. And how are we supposed to deal with it? Well, let's go for broke. Let's say that this is a time of double light. And this is a time of double joy. And this is a time of double strength for the Jewish people here and everywhere. And at all time during the next two months. And let's make sure that Mishanichnas Adar Marbim Besimcha, that indeed... The joy that we hope and pray for every single day will uh, come to fruition during these coming days. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Welcome back, Judaism 101.9. Yes, this is Rabbi Michael Katz with you and great to be in your company. And we're talking about the months of Adar that are coming up starting on Friday, this coming Friday first day of Rosh Chodesh, really the last day of the month of Shvat, and Shabbat itself, bringing in the two months of Adar, the double month of Adar, um, Adar Rishon, Adar Sheni, 12th and 13th months of this year in the lie of the months. Now, in the story of Purim, the month of Adar was chosen by Haman through his lots to uh, be the date or the time when the Jewish people were going to be destroyed. Remember, he had hatched this plan to get rid of the whole Jewish people um, in all 127 states of the known world. This was what he was going to do. The epitome of um, his anti-Semitic tropes and uh, behaviors and so on. Haman had devised this plan. He drew the lots and he was overjoyed. When he took a look at what the results were of the lottery, he said, wow, look at how this lottery works. Look, even 
in his way of thinking, God has determined that it should be in the month of Adar because the month of Adar is a sad month for the Jewish people. Why? Because we know that the month of Adar, on the seventh of Adar, it marks the anniversary of the passing of Moshe Rabbeinu. And there was no greater leader of the Jewish people than Moshe Rabbeinu than Moses, who led us out of Egypt and took us through the desert and got us the Torah and uh, taught us in the desert and then passes away just before our advent to the land of Israel. This is the Moshe Rabbeinu, the great leader, the man of such great humility. This is Moses' Yorotzite. And of course, the Jewish people must be in mourning every month of Adar when we commemorate and celebrate or look at or time the time of the passing of Moshe. Nothing could be better for Taman. What he failed to understand, what he failed to see was two things. Number one, the fact is that Moshe lived exactly 120 years. So his birthday was also Zayin Adar. He was born on the 7th of Adar. Now, if you're celebrating a uh, person, a personage, we don't only look at the yard side, but we look at the birthday as well. The fact that our world was blessed with the Moshe Rabbeinu who came into this world on the 7th of Adar <coughs> still remained a powerful thing for the Jewish people and showed our strength, the idea of the Jewish people in this month of Adar um, all the way through. So, number one, slip up and um, um, overlook of Haman and Achashverosh and uh, the people of their ilk. But when we think about something deeper, the Jewish people, Moshe Rabbeinu, first of all, never really left us. He never really died. Moshe ascended the mountain. And God took care of his burial. There's no known grave of Moshe Rabbeinu because we understand and we believe and we know that even if Moshe Rabbeinu was buried on the mountain and by God himself, the fact of the matter is that the neshama, the soul of Moshe, lives on lives on through each and every one of us. We are still living with a part of Moshe Rabbeinu at our helm and within us, and so it is with every tzaddik, with every righteous person, and so it is with our forefathers and our mothers, and so it is with everybody. The idea of death being an end is only in the way that we perceive it and the way that we look at it in a much more physical fashion. The neshama, the soul, lives on. And as the soul lives on, so too do all the great things that Moshe Rabbeinu stood for live on. The day of a yard site is not just a day to think about and be sad at the passing of somebody, but it's a day to commemorate and to celebrate their elevation in Shamayim. The soul continues and will return when Mashiach comes and Tchiat HaMetim takes place, the resurrection of the dead. And please God, that should all happen very, very soon. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Well, this is a this is a date with me, Rabbi Michael Katz, and uh, 101.9 High FM. Great to be in your company, as we said before, and wonderful to have you listening and together with us as we explore things about Judaism, about our calendar, about upcoming events, and we're looking, of course, at the two months of Adar that come up. So not only do we have within the month of Adar, the birthday and the Yorzeit of Moshe Rabbeinu, but in the month of Adar also then the story of Purim. But now the debate is, in which month do we celebrate Purim? Why is Purim 
is celebrated in the month that it is celebrated. And we all know, of course, that Purim is pushed into the second month of Adar. If the first one may be the real month, why don't we do them both? Well, in fact, we do in a way. We have a, a, a minor festival known as Purim Katan. On the 14th of Adar, we have Purim Katan, Purim Katan, the small Purim. On that day, we would not say Tachanun. It's like a little bit more of a festive date. However, all the things of Purim, the reading of the Megillah and the giving of Mishloach Manot and the eating of the Suda and having of functions and parties and so on, all takes place in the second Adar. Now, why is this? It's because the month of Adar, we're told, is meant to pave the way for the Geula, for the redemption of the month of Nisan. And how do we do that is it should be, they say, Nismach Geula Ligula. We have to have the one Geula, the one redemption, the redemption of Adar, paving the way for the redemption of Pesach. And therefore, they are always one month apart. So Purim is Dafka pushed into the second month, and that is where we celebrate it in the second month of Adar rather than in the first, because it is really the paving of the way for the great redemption that is going to follow thereafter. And isn't that a beautiful thought to think about for the general system and the general approach of the month of Adar? It is paving the way. This is the time of simcha, of joy, of coming together, of unity, of doing all the things that we need to do to make sure that we are ready for the gula, for the redemption, not just of Pesach, but please God, the ultimate redemption of Mashiach, the coming of Mashiach. May he come speedily in our time and bring us to a different kind of a world where there is light rather than darkness, where there is truth rather than lies, where there is honesty rather than um, the lack thereof, and where we can live our lives in the positive energy that Mashiach will help us to bring peacefully and together in a tranquil and beautiful way that we are supposed to live as God's people on earth, all together um, as one. Hopefully that will happen very, very soon. We hope and pray that all the great things of the month of Adar will wipe away all the darkness of the past few months and that very, very soon we will see the Geula Shlema Vahamitit, the complete and absolute redemption. I want to wish you a great rest of the week, a great Shabbat up ahead, and of course, a great Chodesh Adar, the first of the Adars that is starting over this weekend. Take care. Look forward to being back with you again. Same time, same place next week on Judaism 101.9.